Good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight for our Wednesday night service. Would you stand with me, please? Turn to page 180. Page number 180 in your hymn book. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Nothing but the blood. Page number 180. Sing it out on that first verse. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon. This I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus amen blessing tonight what sure good to be in god's house amen and the oasis uh in the desert as we often say and uh, good to have our young people up here uh tonight they're in big church amen so no mountain dew and donuts right amen and I went down there the other day in Sunday school, and they had Mountain Dew and donuts for Sunday school. And I thought, man, some of the adults could probably use that. And then I thought, no, one of them would have like a stroke or something after drinking something. I thought, yeah, you better keep that down here. Amen. Well, we got in uh, Sunday night. What a wonderful day in the Lord's house uh, Sunday. And my wife looks at me, and I, I watch a lot of Westerns, all right? And so she looks at me and goes, it's not tortilla. It's tortilla. And, I, and then she looked at me and said, and it's not Padilla, it's Padilla. It's the Padilla family, Padilla family. So anyways, I've been pronouncing your names, uh, you know, anyways, so if you get somebody to say, hey, Brother Padilla, it's good to see you tonight, amen, just, just go with it, brother, amen. But uh, sure good to have the Padilla family uh, here with us, our missionaries to Germany, and so looking forward tonight to a report on that, and then uh, Brother Padilla is going to preach, and so just a real blessing, and uh, thankful we got to cross paths uh, there at the couple's retreat, and uh, thankful for faithful men of God, amen, and just a real blessing. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, ask God's blessing on our uh, services, and uh, uh, Brother uh, David Griffin, would you pray for us tonight, brother?
Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? And I do have uh, quite a few announcements I just uh, wanted to mention. Uh, of course, we had a good time last night with the volleyball and basketball games. The boys went are now 3-0. and I can't believe it. And uh, excited uh, for them. Uh, did also want to mention this. If you have uh, young people uh, in our youth group, there is a youth rally uh, this coming Friday night. Uh, and that is at uh, Temple Baptist Church there in El Dorado, uh, Kansas, and just dear uh, dear friend, Brother Ron uh, Jones. And so I know they, uh, I think, uh, you yeah, know, I preached that last, did I preach that last year, I think it was? And so uh, anyways, it's uh, just a great rally, and so I know our kids will have a great time for those that are going uh, to that. Make sure that you get Brother Tim uh, Quinlan on the times of uh, leaving and getting back and things uh, like that. And then again, this coming uh, Sunday, uh, I will be out of town, be preaching a Valentine's banquet uh, and then preaching all day uh, Sunday for Landmark Baptist Church there in Evansville, uh, Indiana. And so Brother Rocky Harrell, a uh, longtime uh, Baptist history uh, teacher there at Heartland Baptist Bible College and of course uh, pastor there at Tulsa Baptist Temple in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so he's going to be preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. And also don't forget about the combined adult classes for Sunday morning. Brother Eric Watson is going to be teaching uh, those. And then also February the 18th, which is on a Saturday, be the churchwide uh, outreach. And then again, February the 19th, we'll have combined Sunday school classes again, uh, the adult classes. And then Brother Ben Quinlan is going to be here preaching and preaching Sunday morning uh, and Sunday night. And then also wanted to mention this, February the 25th, which is on a Saturday, is our bacon and bullets. I did get some things uh, kind of nailed down. Uh, we're still kind of working on the breakfast uh, situation, but I think it's probably going to be okay. And so we are going to plan on a men's prayer breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning over at the Golden Corral on Black Bob Road. And then we are scheduled to be at the Center Fire Shooting Range here in Olathe. Uh, around 9.30 in the morning. And so again, men, if you'd like to go to that, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the outer uh, foyer. If you would just like to go to the prayer breakfast, but you don't want to go to the shooting range, that's totally fine. Just please go ahead and sign up. Uh, and then if you would, uh, if you're just going to the breakfast, write bacon by your name, so I'll know no bullets. All right. <laughs> But that way we can have a count as far as for the restaurant, but then also for the shooting range, they can know how many are going. Did also want to mention this. It's open. Uh, the prayer breakfast is open to all of our, uh, our men and, and young men, uh, and then the shooting ranges as well. But if any of our younger, if you're 18 years or younger uh, or under 18 years old and you plan on going to the shooting range, you have to have a parent uh, with you on that. So make sure that you're aware of that. And then February the 28th, which is on a Tuesday, is our ladies' meeting, and that's at 7 o'clock over uh, in the fellowship hall, hopefully in the fellowship hall. Amen. And uh, so a lot of things uh, going on uh, right now. All right, let's go ahead and get out our prayer list tonight, and, uh, and uh, let's go uh, through that here just very, very quickly. And then if you have a prayer request or an update or even a praise tonight, we'll certainly uh, take that. Uh, as well, of course, do pray for uh, Brother Will Kennedy. He's got his uh, hernia surgery this coming Tuesday. I'm sorry, this coming Friday. And so he's like, no, don't add no more days, amen. So this coming Friday, he's going to have that done. And so pray uh, for that uh, procedure that it goes uh, smoothly. Then also got a call from Miss Jean Wiseman today. And uh, she hadn't been in the last uh, couple of weeks. She's had some car issues, got her car fixed, and then she was out and uh, this past week and fell and so she's but she's doing okay she's recovering she's just a little bruised up 
and banged up. Did say that she's planning on being here Sunday, but just asked if we would pray uh, for her. Then also wanted to ask you to continue to pray for uh, Brother Donnie and Miss Marilyn Carr as uh, they are traveling, and uh, they're in Papua New Guinea, and Lord willing, I'll be back here uh, sometime this week or next week. And then also our missionaries, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie Parker, on their survey trip to Japan, and they are supposed to be getting back this coming Friday uh, night. And so if you would pray uh, for them and for safety and travels uh, there. Did also have one that we need to add on uh, tonight. Uh, this is a, a co-worker, Brother Jesse, that's been uh, visiting. And Brother Jesse, if you don't know Brother Jesse, you need to get to know Brother Jesse. He's a blessing. He's from the Holy Land, so that's one up right there, amen. He's from Florida. He's from, he's from, my, he's from my country, amen. And, uh, but he's up here and uh, working. And anyways, uh, one of his co-workers uh, fell and broke his wrist. His name is Kyle uh, Raplian. Is that correct? Raplian? Amen. Amen. That's good. Hey, we're from the South, brother. You can just go Padilla, Raplian. They, they know what we're saying. Amen. Uh, but anyways, pray for him. And he had surgery on that. And then also pray just for the salvation situation uh, there. And uh, uh, needs to know the Lord and him and his family. So anybody else uh, tonight got a prayer request? All right, Miss Marie. Okay. All right. So let's add... Uh, Miss Marie Christian on there for an unspoken. Okay. Brother Will? Yes. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. Do you want to you want to continue to keep him on there on the for the cancer or Okay. So um, in the first column, uh, almost down there to, towards the bottom, Charles and, and Kathy uh, Douglas, and, and I have her on there for, um, you, you know, the alcohol uh, situation. That's not a disease, that's a sin, all right? And I'm very well aware of that. Uh, but it's a husband and wife, and they both need to be saved. And so what, it, what was that? Praise the Lord, and that's a blessing. So we'll move them over to the salvation column, but do continue to pray for them. And also, uh, Eddie Kelly, that uh, works for Brother Will, too, with uh, the brain cancer. And uh, I need, we need to make sure, I need to get that uh, on there on our prayer list as well. So, or make a note on that. All right? Brother Bellis? All right, <clears throat> so you kept your toe, amen, so you got both eyes and both toes, amen, brother, both big toes, amen, so that's a blessing there, and sure thankful, though, he got a good report on uh, his toe, that's a real blessing uh, there. Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Sherry? Did I really? Joey Wolf. Okay. Okay. Um, yep. I'm still trying to figure out if I, I know I didn't take him off. I don't know how it got gone. So that must have been computer error. Probably operator error. So, amen, brother. So he's he was on there for AFib, and they're going to do a procedure, a ablation. On the 21st? Okay. I'm sorry? 
Okay, so let's put him on there for salvation as well. Okay? All right, we'll make sure to get him back on there. Okay, let's see. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, Nestle. Okay. So let's add Matt Nestler and certainly pray for his family. Absolutely. Okay, anybody else tonight? All right, let's go ahead and have our uh, men uh, come tonight. <clears throat> and certainly uh, some that we need to add on here uh, tonight. And, uh, folks, we need to just continue to faithfully pray for. And, uh, Lord, assure faithful. Amen. Brother Rich Raymer, would you pray for us uh, tonight? Thank you, ladies. I love that song, don't you? I heard many of you singing it while they were playing. Aren't you thankful Jesus loves you tonight? Amen. Let's stand together one last time. Turn to page 278. Page number 278. I am resolved. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 5 together tonight. Verses 1, 2, and 5. Sing it out on that first verse. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. 
I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. Amen. Great singing. Please go ahead and be seated tonight. Amen. Well, again, it is good to have the Padilla family uh, here uh, with us. And, of course, out of uh, Hillcrest Baptist Church there in El Paso, uh, Texas. And know their pastor and uh, just a good man of God. And so thankful for them. Thankful they were able to be here uh, tonight and to swing by and, and just give a report. And excited about what the Lord's uh, certainly been doing uh, in them. And so hopefully you'll be able to hear some of that uh, here on the video. And so they're going to have a video. And then right after that, Brother Padilla is going to come. He's going to say a few words and then get right into the message uh, tonight. So. are Fernando and Amy Padilla, sent out of the Hillcrest Baptist Church in El Paso, Texas. We arrived on the mission field April 23rd of 2019. Our children Benjamin and Lucy were born in Germany in 2019 and 2021. During our first term, we served alongside Brother Seth Richards in the Independent Baptist Church of Ingolstadt. During this time, we studied the language and devoted ourselves to the ministries of that local church. Our last six months in Ingolstadt, Brother Seth Richards went on a furlough, and I assumed the responsibilities of preaching, teaching, and overseeing the church in his absence. This was a valuable time of growth and learning as we integrated into the German culture. That experience has prepared us for the next step in our call to reach the German people. Since 2011, We've had the city of Essen on our hearts, and we've been in prayer about going to start a church there. God has opened the doors, and we are now preparing for that very thing. This region has several major cities with a combined population of around 12 million people. 
there are very few gospel preaching entities here and no solid, independent, fundamental Baptist church. We will begin holding services in the spring of 2023 in a suburb south of Essen called Essen Verden. Verden began as an abbey founded at the end of the 8th century and lies on the Ruhr River. These people have had religion for a long time, but the vast majority of people there today have never heard the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Based on the experience of many veteran missionaries, we realize that this work may take many years. We are committed to going and staying as long as God has us there, that he might build his church. We just ask that you would please pray for us as we endeavor to fulfill God's commission among the German people. Dear church, good evening. It's so good to see you. Thank you, Pastor Stewart, for the opportunity to give report of all that the Lord's been doing. I've got to be honest with you, whenever I come back uh, and there's been a pastoral change, I am a little bit nervous as we've been back on furlough. Um, sometimes we, we just see a slide uh, in churches, and I, I sense that there's still an appetite for God's Word tonight. I really do. I sense that just being with you all, just talking with you, and I'm so, so uh, encouraged by that, and, and I didn't have to learn or try to guess the, the new songs, that, that's the old familiar songs, and I, the, I just haven't gotten over them, and I'm just so, so thankful uh, for people who are holding the line and, and seeking the old paths, and uh, sure do appreciate uh, Faith Baptist Church. You all have supported us for over five years, and I am just amazed um, that that's the case, but I just have to say, first of all, thank you all so much for your faithful support and your partnership with us in the gospel ministry. And I, I do recognize that it's a sacrifice. And I, as a missionary, never want to take that for granted because people give uh, even though it's not always easy to do so. And I recognize that there are challenges and responsibilities, obligations uh, that you all have to fulfill. And, and you giving to missions is a sacrifice that I know that you do gladly and you do it for the Lord. But uh, I came back last summer, and I was mad at Walmart. <laughs> because when I left three years ago, Hot Cheetos were 99 cents a bag, and they were like 250. And I just was like, what is going on? What are, what are they doing to my people? <laughs> and uh, really, my heart, my heart is broken for America for a lot of reasons. I mean, that's one of them. I think we're all struggling you know, financially, and things, I mean, our money doesn't go as far as it used to, and that's true overseas as well, but, um, man, there's, a, there's been a, a societal decline, and uh, we're, we're seeing all of that, but I, I say all that to say thank you so much, and, and, and stay strong, and stay faithful, and we need strong churches back home, um, and, uh, we appreciate Faith Baptist Church and what the Lord is doing here. We, like the video said, spent three years in Germany. They happen to be three of the craziest years in modern history. Uh, we were locked in our homes for a while and all kinds of uh, stuff that you all had to go through as well. 
Uh, but the Lord taught us a lot through it about the German people, about, the, about German faithfulness. The church there in Ingolstadt, uh, Brother Seth Richards has been there uh, for around 20 years there in that city. And it's not a big church. A high day is in the 30s. Uh, average days are more in the 20s when we were there at least. But uh, there was no change in attendance throughout all of the, the pandemic restrictions and things like that. Whenever we were allowed to meet, we were there. And I tell you what, the East Germans, the people who grew up under communism, they had a total different mindset about a lot of the things that were going on. Uh, they, they just had a different experience with, with big authoritarian government and different things like that. So I appreciated their perspective and, and just their willingness to obey God and uh, to follow Him. But uh, we, 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 like I said, learned a lot from them. Um, I do preach in German without a translator. It's not perfect. It's not always pretty. Um, those Germans, I mean, they, I butchered their language over and over, and they were always just so gracious and so encouraging, and, and I really am very, very thankful for that. Um, they know how how desperately the, their country needs the gospel. I mentioned the city of Essen. We've been praying for that, that city for a long time. It's in the, the middle of a metropolitan area called the Ruhrgebiet. The Ruhr River runs through it. And during World War II, it was known, in the, known as the heartbeat of Hitler's war machine. Um, actually, a lot of steel for American railroads came out of that region back in the 1800s. So a lot of iron, a lot of steel, and a lot of coal a lot of industry in this region, and so historically it's been very populated, a lot of business there. Uh, right now it's around, like I said in the video, around 12 million people, but just north of Essen is the largest mall in Western Europe. It's called Centro, and it's got around 14,000 parking spaces. One of the things that, that uh, opened my eyes uh, to the region is on the website of this mall, they detail the history and how the develop, developers came to choose that site for building this really large mall. And they did a survey about 150 miles around, and they found 60 million inhabitants. It's a lot of people, it's a lot of souls. That would in, in, encompass some of the Netherlands and Belgium. We're just 45 minutes from the border there uh, driving. And so uh, Luxembourg and France are not very far from there. So there's just, there's just a lot of souls, and, and they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And, and I know that sometimes we as independent Baptists can get, can get a bad rap for, for having an Elijah complex. As in, I'm the only one that's doing anything for God, and I'm the only one that's, that's you know, doing uh, the Lord's will or preaching the gospel. And... and I don't have that attitude, but I've looked and I have not been able to find a good church. This place is desolate for the gospel and the need is, is truly great. Um, and so we're honored to be able to go and hold forth the word of life. And we don't know what's before us, but we know that God is behind us. And uh, there's a lot of things that, that are in our way. There's a housing shortage. We're, we're looking at all of that. We're looking for a meeting place. God has been so good up to this point. We have reached our support goal. We we're looking to raise $1,000 a month extra uh, for ministry purposes, the rent on a building, utilities and such. So we've, God has already provided that. We're, we were, um, we're trying to raise some startup costs for things like chairs and starting utilities, the deposit on a building, and, and so forth and so on, a pulpit. Uh, and God has given us, we just reached $30,000. Uh, 
And so I think God's, I think God's in this. He's providing for it. And, and God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. Many of you have heard that before, but we're just, we're just finding that to be true. And so we're excited to go back. March 21st is when we go back and we're going to a very needy area. And uh, we, I recognize that I'm not ready. I recognize I have no idea what I'm doing. But I have, I've been following the Lord long enough to know that He will give me grace every step of the way. And He'll open the doors. He doesn't need to open tomorrow's door today. He'll open it tomorrow. Amen. And so we're, we're looking forward and going by faith. And so I'll ask you tonight to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter number 3. And I hope that you will receive something from God's Word tonight. As you turn there, I just want to emphasize to you that I am going to Germany to tell them this. Again, Ephesians 3 is where our text is. But I'm going to tell them what I found in Römer Kapitel 3 und Vers 23, where it says, Den alle haben gesündigt und verfehlen die Herrlichkeit, die sie vor Gott haben sollten. Which being interpreted is Romanos 3.23, Por cuanto todos pecaron y están destituidos de la gloria de Dios. Which being interpreted again is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sadly, so many Germans are unaware of their great need for a Savior. They don't know that they are lost. They think that they're doing okay. And we're going to go and try to shake up their life and their world and show them that they're sinners and that there's an answer to that sin. And if that's you tonight, I hope that you will find the same answer tonight. I'll ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word tonight. We'll just read one verse to start us off, but our text goes down through verse 21. It says here in Ephesians 13, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Once again, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for these dear folks which have gathered out of their homes and have come to this place expecting to hear a word from you. Lord, and I, I stand, uh, Lord, in awe and humbled by this task and responsibility that is before me. I pray, Father, that you would give me the grace, Lord, to communicate this the truth of this text, Lord, I pray that it would be clear and I pray that it would resound in the hearts of your people. I pray that you would help us to see very clearly what you are saying to us today and I ask that you would help it to make a difference in our lives. Lord, we need your presence and Lord, we need your help and I pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that is said and done tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm so thankful, I'm so excited to get on that plane and, and travel to that far off land and f- try my best to follow the pattern that I find in and through the example of the Apostle Paul. Paul was a church planting missionary and he would travel. He would travel, he'd go long distances, he would find new places, and he would preach that glorious message of a crucified and resurrected Savior, that message that we hold dear, that message that gives us hope, that message that we are holding on to after we 
go on the other side into eternity. And that was the manner of Paul's ministry. He would go and he would preach, and people would hear this message, and they would be gloriously saved, much like you were when you were confronted with the reality and the gravity of your sin, and you said, oh Lord, please save me. And that was the case as Paul traveled and, and praise the Lord for that. So thankful for that, that response and how that, that changed the world. That wasn't always the response, though, when people heard his preaching. At, at times, people were offended that he would think that they needed to be saved, that they were sinners. In Acts chapter 19, we find Paul coming to the city of Ephesus. The Ephesus was uh, in its day a, a very prominent, a major city known throughout the world for worship. Di- the temple of Diana of the Ephesians was located there, as she's called in Scripture. Uh, we know historically that that was one of the ancient wonders of the world, or wonders of the ancient world. People would go from all over the world to worship many gods there, but primarily it was Diana of the Ephesians. And so Paul came to this city and he preached the gospel. People started getting saved. I mean, really, a lot of people started getting saved. So much so that it affected, it started to affect the bottom line of the idol makers. They didn't take too kindly to somebody coming into their city, encroaching upon their territory and into their business. Because when people got saved, they got rid of their idols. They stopped buying new idols. It made a difference in their life. And and they started to live lives that were distinct from the world. And so they didn't take too kindly to that. And if you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 11, I'm just going to read a few verses here. Paul details a number of the adverse effects of preaching the gospel. A number of the adverse consequences that Paul encountered throughout his ministry as a result of obeying God's call on his life. Now, I know the teenagers are in here tonight. I'm not as young as I used to be, but I remember what it was like to be young, so I just hope that you can pay it, hang in there with me tonight, okay? I'm going to try my best not to put you to sleep, but I know that God is at work in your life, and, and God made a difference in my life when I was a teenager, and so this is not a service to waste. Please. Uh, give, give your attention tonight. In verse number 24 of first, uh, current, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. By the way, forty stripes is a death, was a death sentence at that time. Verse 25 says, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Are you starting to see a picture of the kind of life that Paul led just as a result of following God's call upon his life and doing all of this traveling and going to these foreign lands and preaching that same message that, again, we love to hear. The message that we a lot of times take for granted is preached, is proclaimed from this pulpit Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Paul faced some consequences for that very thing. And in Ephesians, well, look back in chapter 3 and verse 1 with me. 
Ephesians 3.1 says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. That word prisoner is not figurative, it's not metaphorical, it's not symbolic of something. It, it, he's just literally describing his current condition. He's in prison. He's, he's, he's captive. And I don't know what your experience may, might be with our criminal justice system, um, but being deprived of liberty... It's a shameful thing. It's not a positive thing. Now, there's hope afterwards. You can, you can pay your debt to society and go forward. And I think that we need to be careful at, about that, even especially as Christians, that when somebody's paid their debt, hey, give grace, there's, there's forgiveness. People can need, need to move on and maybe need to be given more opportunities to move on and so forth. But here he is. He's in prison and is deprived of liberty, has been deemed unfit to be out in the populace. And commentators tend to agree that the letter to the Ephesians was written about a year into his incarceration there in Rome. And so, one of the things that prisoners have a lot of is time. He's sitting there captive, he's, he's waiting trial, waiting to, for his case to be heard, and he's reflecting. And I think he's thinking back on all the places he's been, and all the things that the Lord has, has used him to do. And he thinks about the Ephesians. He's remembering, uh, he spent over two years there in Ephesus. He spent a long time there getting to know these people, getting to, getting to know their quirks, uh, getting annoyed by them, but loving them and teaching them and correcting them and, and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of, of God's Word and and he's thinking about them. And in verse 13, the verse that we read standing tonight, he's, he's identified a problem. He, he perceives a weakness in the Ephesians. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not. Now, just to be clear, this is not Paul talking, thinking about the Ephesians and, and thinking that they can lose their salvation. The Bible does not teach that we can lose our salvation. Once that we are saved by grace, we are kept by grace, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. This is talking about uh, that we as believers have an opportunity after salvation to grow spiritually and to continue faithfully serving God and being fruitful for Him. And I, I didn't grow up in church. I got saved as a teenager. Brother Tim Quinlan saw me when I was pretty green as a freshman there at Bible College, I was rough around the edges. I hadn't been saved very long before I was, was at Bible College. But uh, if you've been saved for any amount of time, you've seen people who used to come to church. People who used to be faithful. People who used to be involved. Man, people who used to be in ministry. It's, it's so discouraging to me. We're not really on social media a lot. And so as we've come back to the States, man, we kind of have been... At first, especially, kind of hit by a flood. Oh yeah, they're, they're not together anymore, and he's not, he's not in the minister anymore, and oh yeah, don't even ask about that guy. He's, he's way, you know, and, and people faint. And uh, we had, a, we had a, a college professor, he's with the Lord now, Brother John Aldrich, uh, our freshman year, he taught our Bible history class, and man, he was, 
we needed him. We needed him. He, he was tough on us, and he'd say, you young bucks, you're going to preach God's word. You're going to need the, a backbone like, like a backbone like a railroad iron. I can't even say it right, like him. And he'd say things like, in five years, 50% of you are not going to, even going to be in church. And I thought, no way. I'd been saved for two years when I went to Bible college, and I thought, no, that's not, that's not possible. I mean, these people, these people are serious. These, these are the people that are, that are real, and they're, 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 they're serving God. They have a desire to serve God, and man, he was right. He was right, young people. And uh, it, it frustrates me. I think especially as a missionary, somebody who sees the, the desperate need that's all over the world and, and, and to see people just quit, to see people give up, to see people faint. And uh, it's sad. It's sad when you see those kinds of things. But uh, Paul, Paul is aware that the path that he has taken hasn't really led to a lot of positive in his life. And the crazy thing is that he's actually asking the Ephesians to follow in his same footsteps, to preach the same gospel, to preach that same message, which is the same thing that we're called to do. Which is really, I mean, that's kind of crazy. If you have any ounce of the, the instinct of self-preservation, it's a pretty strong instinct. Uh, like, don't jump off a roof. Don't run out into the middle of the street without looking both ways. Because bad stuff's going to happen. And, and though Paul has faced a lot of consequences, tribulations is the word he uses in verse 13. I think he's, he's going about, in the next verses, trying to give them the power that allowed him to endure all of those things and keep on going. Because he just did. He kept on going after his shipwrecks and thefts and stoning. He got up, and he kept on going. So in light of this tendency that God's people will have to faint, he goes on into verse 14 and says this, For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I can't just skip over this, friends. Paul was a man of prayer. He believed in prayer because prayer works. And as I look look back at the, the friends that I had, even like in Bible college, who where, oh yeah, I know I'm called to the mission field, and oh yeah, I know I'm called to be a youth pastor, and oh yeah, I know I'm called to be a pastor. And, 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 and at one point, they made vows to uh, a spouse. And oh yeah, I know God wants me to be together with this person for the rest of my life. And somewhere along the way, they, they fainted. I think it's pretty safe to say that if we looked at every instance where that happened, it's it's not likely to be the result of too much prayer. You think that's fair to say, fair to say that? And prayer in America is 
I don't know, I think you can describe it as a lost art. And I really believe that if we could see what happens when we pray, we wouldn't want to stop. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have access into the the throne room of God. And we as sinful, fallen, but redeemed men can enter into that place and commune with Him. I mean, I don't know what that looks like spiritually, but prayer is real. And prayer, prayer moves the hand of God. And so He bows. He humbles Himself in prayer to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a parenthetical statement in verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16 is His request, or begins His request, that He would grant you He bows his knees and pleads and prays that God would grant the Ephesians, that that we would be granted, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. I tell you what's wrong with America, there's just too many snowflakes going around. And back in my day, people were tough. And... And I played high school football, and we need to get some some more bench presses and lift some more weight, cut down some more trees, and drive bigger trucks. Amen? Extended magazine capacity. I mean, that all sounds great and and cool, and maybe that'll get you out of some jams, but that's not what's going to get you to continue in the face of adversity, to weather the storms of the Christian life like Paul did, that's not where our strength lies. We're talking about a strength that is inner, that is inward, so that it doesn't matter how much you can bench press or squat or how many rounds are in your magazine right now. It doesn't matter your intellect or how many degrees you have or how many zeros are in in your bank account. That's not the source of our strength. That's, that wasn't the source of Paul's strength. That's not what he prays for. He's praying that, praying that they would be strengthened in the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in what? Wow. That doesn't sound so tough, does it? That doesn't sound so strong. But that's where our strength is. Make no mistake about it, Christian. However that may sound to the world, that is the key to Christian strength. That is the key that gave Paul the strength to go forth in the face of things that we can't even really imagine. That you, being grounded in love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the, once again, love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. That's such a funny way to say that. I want you to know something that passes knowledge. You can't know it. We, we will never exhaust. We will never fully 
this side of eternity, we will never fully comprehend the, the depth and length and breadth and height of the love of God for us. But the more that I know about His love, the more strength that I will find in those dark days, in those sick days, in those broke days, in those lonely days, in those painful days. That sounds so simple, but I, I, I truly believe that I have seen people struggle with this very simple truth that God loves me. And I've watched people even go through to Bible college and, and grow to a degree, but then, then later come, come to me and say, God couldn't use me. God couldn't use me. And, and what, that, what that tells me and what that shows me is that there's people who really have a hard time accepting that very simple truth that God loves them and that He has a plan for them and that He wants to use them and that it doesn't matter how outwardly talented you might be, what you have to offer, what you might be going through, what kind of trials you're going through. It's easy for us to understand that maybe that God loves the world. You know, He loves everyone, kind of. But we have to live with us. And one of the things that is so vitally important for you to understand tonight, if you're tonight and you're not, you've never been born again, you, you're not 100% sure that if you die that you'd go to heaven, you have to understand Romans 3.23, which I quoted at the beginning of the service. We are all sinners. That's a very important step in coming to to find the Savior. But even as believers, we can, we can be confronted daily with this reality that we, that we sin daily, and there's believers who are stunted in their growth because they cannot get over that fact. And they, they focus on their own unworthiness, which is true. I, am, I, am, I, I deserve nothing from God. I have earned nothing. I, all of His favor is unmerited favor. But that's not where the story ends. Because in Romans 5.8, the Bible says that God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we're, we're, it's important to recognize our unworthiness, but we have to move beyond that truth and recognize His utter worthiness that He would look upon unworthy people like you and like me and be willing to die on the cross of Calvary. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about when I mention, when, if, when Paul mentions the love of Christ, then look no further than the cross of Calvary. And I want to take you there tonight to that cross where Jesus Christ hung on that tree and suffered and bled and died for you. There's no greater manifestation of love ever. I would call that the climax of existence. The climactic event in all of history is this demonstration of God's love for you. Because He died for you. So that you don't have to pay for your sins. You don't have to go to that place called hell where there is no help and there is no hope. You can be saved. You have to accept that love. What he calls a free gift of salvation. Mm 
If you're, you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, He's offering, He's extending that offer of forgiveness through that love, and you have to accept it. You have to accept it. Christian, you, have, you will grow to the degree that you continue in your, in your knowledge and understanding, in your comprehension of what that means. Okay, He saved you, but you still mess up. Okay, His love was never based upon your performance. And so, if, you're, if you struggle with that, I just want to encourage you, you need to make God's love personal, young person. The statistics, I mean, they're, they're so sad for how many, how many people grow up in church and, and leave. And it's because they don't accept God's love for them in a personal way. Why are you here tonight? Did you get drugged to church tonight? You're just here because you know you're supposed to be here? Or are you here to meet with God, to hear from Him, to be helped with Him? You know what? It's so, it's so popular today to say, oh yeah, no, I, I believe in God. I mean, especially in, in places like Kansas, where there's a heritage and a history of, of Bible preaching and so forth. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, no, I, I believe in God. I believe in God. I'm not one of those heathen. But organized religion... That's a crock. That's not for me. The only problem with that is that you have to ignore a lot of the Bible. Look at verse 20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Friends, that's a lot. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory where? In the church. This is God's idea. Us doing this weird, crazy thing of, of getting together and meeting in this place and, and singing and, and preaching, giving attention to His Word. The church is God's idea. And the church is God's method for you to drive down that route in, in the knowledge and comprehension and understanding of the love of God. And more often than not, it's not a, that driving down that route and being strengthened and being, finding that stability that we desire and that we seek, it doesn't happen overnight. It's more of an organic process that God allows us to, as we come and we're challenged and we, we learn more from God's Word, our root is driven deeper into His love. We, we understand more about His love. And not only that, but just being here around other Christians has an effect on us, and it drives down our roots. Let me tell you about Bernie Moreno. Bernie Moreno is a, an old-school Hillcrestor. Hillcrest Baptist Church there in El Paso has been there since 1956, and they've, it's had an impact Kind of like Faith Baptist here in Olathe. It's been here a while. And Brother Bernie's, a, like I said, a longtime Hillcrestor, was in the military, got saved in the 70s, and, and just got plugged in. Over the, over the years, became the custodian there at Hillcrest Baptist Church. And when I came on staff in 2013, he was always there early in the morning, and usually they're pretty late. I mean, he was always moving. 
He was, I mean, there was a large facility, a lot, excuse me, large facility, a lot to t- keep up with. And that, that fall going into winter, Brother Bernie was helping a, an elderly church member winterize their air conditioning. So he was up on the roof. And in El Paso, we have these rock walls. If you've ever been there or been through there, they're kind of distinct. It's, it's walls with concrete and, and then rocks in the middle of them. And on the top, they kind of come to a point. It's not like sharp, but it's a point. And so Brother Bernie was working on, on the roof, and the ladder slipped, and so he fell from the second level to the first level, rolled off, and his spine fell right on that point. And his vertebrae severed his spinal cord. And, and just like that, he lost the ability to walk. I mean, that was a rough, that was a rough time. I mean, um, he, he survived, but, but like I said, couldn't walk. We, later that, that year, we had a staff Christmas party, and Brother Bernie was in rehab, physical rehabilitation, and um, we all went to go see him. And I uh, wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I'd never really been around someone who had gone something quite like that. And, and it amazed me to see Brother Bernie there sitting up in his bed with a smile. And he started telling us how that uh, they were giving him all the you know, pain medication and you know, talking with the doctors and stuff like that. And how that the nurse had come in and tried to give him some, some other pills. And he said, well, what are those? Now, Brother Bernie's not a doctor, okay, and neither am I. Just telling you what he said. He said, well, the nurse said, these are, you're going to need these. These are antidepressants. And he said, I don't need those. I have the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And that's one thing to say that. But I watched Brother Bernie, and he, he got a wheelchair, an electric wheelchair, and he continued working. He couldn't obviously wipe the, like the windows all the way down, but he, he'd do what he could, and he kept on working there, and uh, just an incredible testimony. Helped out in the parking lot, you know, ushering traffic, and he's out there in his, in his scooter, you know, with a big flag and everything, and uh, so when we went to the mission field, came back, like I said, last summer, and um, his wife passed away, and... Uh, you can imagine how much of a help she was to him. And uh, went back there to Hillcrest, and I wasn't sure uh, what I was going to find once again. And uh, showed up pretty early. I showed up pretty early on Sunday morning, and he was one of the first ones there. Saw his wheelchair and went up to Brother Bernie and, and said, Hey, Brother Bernie, how you doing? How's it going? I've been praying for you. I'm doing good, brother. God is good. What Brother Bernie has showed Hillcrest Baptist Church is that there's a root there that has weathered some storms that I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to go there in my mind. And he, I don't know, I, I don't know his heart, but I just, I don't sense in him an ounce of bitterness. He's, sitting there on Sunday morning bragging to me that his leg hurts. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this one, this one doesn't hurt as much, but this one, 
he's excited because it, it, his neural, his, his nerves are finding different pathways to those muscles. And he has a hope that he'll walk again. And I know that he'll walk again. If nothing else, in heaven. But, but as we come here and as we watch people go through storms of life and, and go through challenges, it helps us. It helps us drive down that route. And it's, it's not anything deep. It's not, it's not anything uh, complicated. It's just people who are thankful that God loves them and He saved them. And they're going to keep on going no matter how tough life gets. I don't know what you might be going through, but people need to see that there's a root. That you are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. That you, personally, recognize that He loves you and accept that. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's why we're going to Germany. They need to hear the message of, of God's love for them. We're not just given to just hold it for ourselves. We're called to go with that same simple message and just, just trust that it'll make a difference in the lives of others. Whatever you might be going through, God wants to give you the strength to endure. Not just to survive, but to thrive. If you're here tonight, you're not 100% sure that if you died that you'd go to heaven, I want to invite you and encourage you to get that settled tonight. I'll ask you to stand tonight with your heads bowed and your eyes closed.